0: We are Center Point Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello, good morning. How are you all doing? It's good to, uh, it's good to be together. And um, My name's Chris Kimbangi, as it says on the screen. And uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Centrepoint. Um, it's just great to be together and to, to worship God and to, to gather together on a Sunday morning. And uh, today's an exciting day, as um, Barney was saying, because we end our series, which we've entitled Church as God Intended. And I feel like I sound really echoey. Ooh, it's like a ghost or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, don't worry, um, the guys will sort it out. Uh, Chris will sort it out, so... Don't panic. Um, So, yeah, we're finishing this series uh, where we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you're here for the first time, uh, I just want to extend my welcome to you as well. It's great to have you with us. And um, as in any week, this talk will also stand alone. So don't worry if you haven't heard any of the rest of the series. It's it's okay. And next week is a great week because we start a new mini-series, which I'll tell you a little bit about later on. Um, but today's talk I've called um, The Big Picture, and uh, we're going to read from chapter 16, so you can, it's going to appear on the screen, but if you've got a Bible with you, why don't you turn to it now. We're going to get straight into it, and, uh, and then I'll let you know uh, how we're going to unpack this chapter. So, chapter 16, verse 1, says this, there we go. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then, when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me, and I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos. I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labours at it. I was glad when Stephanas, Fortunatus and Achaicus arrived, because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. So greet one another with a holy kiss. (laughs) I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's just pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for this wonderful book uh, that we've been going through, this amazing letter to this church in Corinth. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we kind of unpack this random chapter, as it were, Lord, I pray, would you speak to us through your word. Help us, all God, to be equipped and encouraged for every good work that you've called us to. Help us to be the church that you intend us to be. In your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... When reading through this chapter in your own Bible study time, it's, it is one of those that's just easy to overlook, isn't it? You kind of go through it, it's all a bit random, and you can just kind of skim over it. But we do believe, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this is a good chapter for us to go through, and... Um, there 's some random pictures on the screen because each of these ten pictures are actually going to are kind of an indication to the ten points that we 're going to go through this morning and You might think, what ten points you normally do three, and that 's long enough well it 's all right they 're short points, some of them are a little bit longer than others, but we 're going to go through ten and then we 're going to have time to worship at the end and do communion um, but Paul basically throughout the whole book. The first 15 chapters has been focused on the church in Corinth and he's encouraged them and he's equipping them to be the church that God intended. But now the focus is off the church and in this chapter it's more on him and on the wider mission and the ministry of God through other churches and other things. In this chapter Paul is showing that the church as God intended need to see their part in the big picture, hence our title. And they're a church that they've got lots going on, but there's so much more going on through God in the world and there are it's just going on in Corinth and Paul shows them that they are involved in that too it's not just what's going on in their own city and you know what I believe that God would want to encourage us to know that too you know it's not just about Guildford actually God has a mission that extends throughout the whole world and we need to see our part to play in that and so we're going to highlight these 10 key things and you can try to guess what each of them are as we go through the passage Um, Some are easier than others. And we're going to see how we have a a part to play in the big picture. So let's get on with number one. Have you seen the big picture with your finances? So chapter 16, verse 1, it said this. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. You see, What's interesting is Paul is not afraid to talk about money. He's not afraid to mention it. In fact, he's expecting to receive that from the church. And notice that he says it's on the first day of the week, each one of you. So it's not just the rich. It's not just those that have a bit of money left over at the end of the month. It's everyone in proportion to your income. He, he says in keeping with your income, set something aside at the beginning, everyone. And this is in the context, in this case, not necessarily for money for the church, although the church are collecting it, but it's for um, the wider work of God, mission elsewhere in other places. And reading around the passage, the money they were collecting was to be set aside for the church in Jerusalem. And um, the church there, it had been scattered through persecution. We know that at the time there had been quite a great famine. And so all of this put pressure on that church. And so Paul plans to ask the churches that he's affiliated with to be part of the solution, to dig deep into their pockets. And so he wants them to see that they are part of the big picture. It's a show of unity, that the different churches come together in Galatia and Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi and Jerusalem to support one another. And interestingly, this is one of the early, earliest writings to show us that the church, as in the Christian church, didn't meet on the Sabbath, a Saturday, but actually on a Sunday. And part of the purpose to meet on a Sunday was to collect money. Isn't that interesting? And, so, and that's carried on, hasn't it, for the last 2,000 years. So what about you? Have you seen the big picture with your money. Because seeing the big picture of your money, it means two things. Firstly, that everything you have belongs to God. Your house, your car, your job, your money, your skills, all of it is God-given. And he calls us to steward all of it well. All of it, God has given to us to steward well. Everything we have, our relationships, he's called us to steward them well. And... um, It's not just for the wealthy, but it's every believer should give in in according to their income, in proportion to their income. And, you know, David, at the end of Samuel, he says, I will not give the Lord an offering that costs me nothing. And so what about your giving? I wonder, how does it cost you? Can you think of things in your life that you can't do because you give money to the church? So it's a challenge, isn't it? Secondly, the second thing that comes out, though, is that as a church, we should be expected to to use that money and to steward that well, and some of that should go to the wider mission. It shouldn't just be all kept in the church. Uh, remember that this particular collection that Paul's referring to in these verses are for God's wider mission, not just for Corinth. And so it's right for us as a church that we should give to the wider mission and to the the, the the church at large and what God's doing throughout. And um, for each of these 10 things, I'm gonna try to explain something of how Centerpoint Church like does something in that area. And so in this particular area, we, I'm really pleased to let you know that we give over 10% of everything that we receive to the Mission to the Poor, to planting churches, to evangelism in other churches, to seeing the lost saved, to helping existing churches be equipped and resourced, to helping to send leaders and to train people, to give to social action and provision to the poor. And at centre point, the biggest way we do that is through our family of churches, which is called Commission. And so this is where we were birthed out of, this is who we're in relationship with, this is who we are. Um, And so we give, I guess, predominantly through commission and that's how we can extend into the wider world. But we also give to 10 charities. Eight ones local to Guildford who are working with all sorts of different um, needs and situations in Guildford, but also one national and one international. And I'm not going to talk too much about money today because I'm really delighted to let you know that over the next three weeks, we're doing a series called We Are Centrepoint. And um, in the last two of those, on the 17th and 24th of March, we're actually going to be having a special offering. Where we're going to, uh, where over the last few months I've been encouraging us as a church to be praying, considering what would be our part to play in giving to the work. And the money, I'll I'll explain a lot more during those three weeks, but the money we're going to use predominantly is going to be in order so that as a church we can extend our reach into the community, into Guildford. We can do more as a church and all of these things, it, it just costs money. It's just the way it is. And one particular thing is a big outreach event in town to bless our community and to let you know let them know that we care about them, that they're valued. And there's lots of others too. And so, have you seen the big picture with your finances? That everything you have is God's. That He encourages you to steward all your resources well. That we're called as a church, to, uh, as people, to give in proportion to our income to the local church, and that the church is called to give to the wider mission. That's number one. Number two. Have you seen sorry, that's the one. Have you seen the big picture with your apostolic church relationships? That's quite a long word, so I'll explain about it. Verse three and 12 uh, says, "Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me." Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. You see, this gift was to be given to other believers who were apostolically linked to the local churches. Um, Yeah. And uh, that means that they were guys who cared for churches, who helped them to reach into new regions, who they planted churches through. They had a certain gifting of seeing God's mission just extend and expand into all sorts of different areas. And so, he, you know, in, all, in those verses, he talks about the, the links, you know, giving to Jerusalem and, and getting our brother Apollos, who was another apostle who was planting other churches and, and being part of this whole big picture. Have you seen the big picture that w- although we are an autonomous church, which means we have our own eldership, our own trustees, our own, our own charity, we're also we're not insular, that we see the big picture. We're part of something bigger. And so when we start to look at... Um, national and international mission, it's really hard to do that um, when you're not in relationship with other organisations internationally. And so we do that out of relationship and we do that through commission. We're we're part of this organisation that expands across the globe. And do you know that we have brothers and sisters who are Christians around the world with our same values, our same DNA, working together in places like India, Nepal, Portugal, Spain, America. I've got a, there's a friend from Salisbury Church called Eustace. He's about to plant a church in Ghana. And, um, and that's great. And I wonder, does anyone want to join him? And I'm being serious. Because if we're going to be a church that knows the big picture, then we need to be ready to send people. We need to be ready to go and, and be on mission. And so what city are you, is God calling you to? What nation is he calling you to? We need to be ready to allow God to move and call people across our globe. Because he's at work. He's he's active in this world, reaching people for the lost. You know, it's really good that we've got Sam Handley, who uh, used to attend Centrepoint Church, Point church um, and uh, he, he's currently in mission, on mission in Morocco, and he sends us newsletters regularly. I hope you're reading them. They come out with our newsletters. In fact, one's going to come out this week. And uh, so f- find out about what he's doing and see what he's doing. Pray for him regularly. It's great that we've got someone there. I want to be able to send more too. And um, I know that individuals in our church support him financially too, and I think that's great. I'll commend you for that too. You know, because it's more blessed to give than receive. So that means some of us are going to go. And that's good. And we're going to pray for you when the right time comes. And it's a good thing to ask about the, how does this work out locally? What about our local relationships? Well, in Romans 13, verse 7, it says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If you owe revenue, then revenue. And then it says, if you owe them respect, give them respect. Honour, give them honour. Honour. So locally with the churches around us in Guildford, there's many, we give respect and honour where it's due. You know, every single Tuesday I meet, with other church leaders, and we pray together. We 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 take it in turns to do a Bible study with each other, and we encourage one another, and just just yeah, build each other up in our faith, and encourage everyone to keep going with our church and extending the gospel. Once a month on a Wednesday, we uh, I get together at the family church. We've got some people from family church here today, right? And um, we we get together. We pray for an hour. We pray would God's kingdom come through this city, throughout our churches. And do you know if every single church grew by a thousand over? this next month we'd still need more churches because there's many thousands that don't know jesus yet and so um, it's it's good for us to speak well of the other churches to be on mission with them but but when that comes to like national mission or international mission it's really hard to do that with with people you're not in relationship with so that's why we're part of commission because that's who we are that's our dna but locally we also respect and honor those that are doing things locally so have you seen the big picture with our apostolic church relationships, number three, have you seen the big picture with our rep- with yeah your reputation? So verse three and four again says this: When then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So Paul's uh, getting a big collection of money together, and he's going to go to Jerusalem. And so Paul's going to come collect the money and then go off. And can you see the potential for fraud? It's like, Paul, what? So let me get this right. You're going to come, you're going to collect all this money, and then you're going to go off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, Paul. Are you really going to do that? You can see there's potential for fraud, for cynicism, and um, it's easy to be cynical with what uh, others are doing with money. And you know what? It's really easy for us to be cynical, too. And uh, I've heard people in our church. Ask about a commission. Oh, they collect all this money at West Point and we give to them as a church. Well, what are they doing all this money, hey? What, what, you know, what, what, what are they getting on with? What, what are they doing with it? And it's easy for us to be cynical and to not trust and perhaps then withhold our giving because we want to make sure that they're really doing all the things that we want them to do. And do you know what? They will Commission will be held accountable for how they steward their resources before God. And as church leaders... Myself and the eldership team and the trustees will be held accountable for how we steward the resources that we receive. And as individuals, we won't be held responsible for that. What we'll be held responsible for and accountable for is how did we obey God? Did we obey, did we give anyway? Did we obey God and give anyway? And um, I want us to encourage us that it was easy for Paul to be um, for people in Paul's day to be cynical about how Paul might treat the money. And um, so Paul put things in place to make sure that he was above reproach, because he cared about his reputation. Do you know what we care about our reputation too? And so as a church, we establish policies for secure handling and counting and recording of all gifts. We prepare and manage a budget. We conduct external accounting audits annually. We provide regular reports to the trustees and to the charity commission. We provide an annual financial report to the church, which we did back in January. And we will continue to do that. And commission does that also. And you know what? Paul, he did this too. Because he's concerned about his reputation. And so back to verses 3 and 4, which are on the screen. Oh, so that, yeah. So what Paul did was he was basically saying, hey, I know that this could cause a problem. So why don't we give letters to people that you trust, get them to send the money, to go with the money. And if you're happy that I go along with them, I will. But only if you're happy. He put things in place to make sure that his reputation was above reproach because he didn't want people to think that he was doing something dodgy with the money. So he said, hey, you you send guys that you trust, you send them with letters and I'll go with them, but only if it's advisable to you. And you know what, I wonder, what about us? Have you seen the big picture with your reputation? So what about um, what you say on Facebook? Does that reflect what Jesus would say into that situation? What about how you treat people at work? Does that reflect how Jesus would treat them? What about how you speak to your neighbours or how you treat your neighbours? What about your relationships? Do they reflect a biblical model for relationships? What about when you're out and about at the pub or the club or that work social, how are you behaving? Is there any area of your life where your reputation brings damage to yourself, to the church or to God? Is there any any area of your life whereby people might say, you hypocrite, and you call yourself a Christian. It's challenging, isn't it? Paul cared about his reputation. Reputation matters. Let's ensure that we are being obedient to God, that we are being church as God intended. That um, even if others aren't being obedient to God, that we are. We're playing our part, and we're not dragging down Jesus, His church, or ourselves. And so, let's see the big picture of our reputation. Number four. It's a bit random, all right? It's a bit random because Paul's random and he goes through it randomly. So I'm just going through verse by verse. Verses five to nine. After I go through Macedonia... I will come to you, for I will go, I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while and even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. With your life plans, have you seen the big picture? Because Paul has a plan for his life. He had a plan and he's going to stick to his plan and his plan was this, he's going to go around Ephesus for now, then he's going to come to Corinth, he's going to collect the money and he'll collect the money from the Galatians as well and then he'll go on to Jerusalem and he'll bless them and he's got a plan but as we read around the rest of the New Testament we find that it all falls apart, basically very little of it actually happens. Because it all kind of goes wrong, and so in 2 Corinthians chapters eight and nine, Paul writes a long excuse for why he hasn't collected the money yet, and so he encourages them to keep collecting the money. This is how you should do it. I will come. I'll try to make it as soon as I can. In Romans 13, he writes how he's worrying: Are the Jerusalem church going to receive this gift well? And you know, how are they going to take it that I've been doing? You know, I've been raising this money for them. And then in 2 Corinthians one, so just over the page uh, to where you are now, the second title is Paul's change of plans, because he's he's had to change his plan. Because in between writing the first letter and writing the second letter, he just faces all sorts of opposition, and uh, it all kind of goes wrong. And I wonder, have you seen the big picture with your plans? Because we can have a plan, and God has a plan, and sometimes they don't always come together. Or we can have a plan, God has a plan, they're together, but then opposition comes and it kind of can frustrate and it can stop us and it can feel like things aren't quite happening and it happened to Paul and it happened to many throughout the Bible and I want to encourage you to keep calm and trust in God because he's with you. I mean, you could ask, was Paul's life wasted? It wasn't, was it? He was obedient to God. And he knew what his God was calling him to do, and it didn't all quite pan out, but he trusted God anyway. He worked through, it, even through the trials and the troubles. And all the days ordained for us were written in his book before one of them came to be. We can trust God, we can endure the trials without worrying, we can keep being faithful, we can serve him anyway, we can keep a good heart attitude. And so, you know, God is capable of interfering with your plans, he is. And uh, I I want to encourage us to trust him, to know that where we are right now is the right place for you to be right now and you can serve God and love him right now, even if it's not quite the place where you plan to be in right now. You can still love him right now. After all, Joseph did that in prison. Moses did that in the desert. David did that on the run. Gideon did that when he was scared. The fishermen, you know, Jesus' disciples did that even though it would cost them their lives. We can be obedient to God now. Number five. How how are we doing? Okay? All right? Okay, number five. Have you seen the big picture with other Christian leaders? Verse 10. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. See, Paul's concerned whether Timothy is going to be accepted in Corinth by the church. He's even concerned if he's going to be even safe there. So he encourages them to receive them. And who's Timothy? Well, Timothy, he's like a co-worker in Christ with Paul. He's a bit like a trainee. He's younger than Paul. So the books of Timothy are kind of Paul's kind of letters to Timothy and encouraging him in his ministry. And Paul's worried that because maybe he's, he's not as um, experienced as himself, that the Corinthian church might reject him. And so he he writes these words to them. And you know what? We need to be ready to receive amongst us good people with faith that come out of apostolic relationships just like me, my situation. You know, I was part of another church who's part of our apostolic uh, movement commission and uh, people in commission kind of recommended me to this church because we're part of the same family. And like I said, Center Point's an autonomous church, so it wasn't a demand, but they were just saying, hey, why don't you check him out? And so I met with Buggles, the last leader, and I met with Derek, the chair of trustees, and I met with the elders, Johnny and Phil, and then I came and preached here, and then I met with you guys, the church, and throughout the whole thing, there was never a demand placed. It was always the church's choice, and amazingly, you received us so well. And you probably regretted it, it since. I, mean, I was thinking at the time, I've pulled the wool over their eyes. They don't know what they're getting. But it's been good, and I'm so pleased for how you received me, Catherine, and the girls, and we, we are just so welcomed in this church, and we love being with us. And I wonder, um, what about other leaders, though? Are all our leaders received well? You know, in life group, you might be having a great time, you know, we need to grow our life groups. And so if we, we start a new life group and we say, hey, can you go and be part of that life group? It might be easy if you to say, oh, yeah, but I like my life group and it's crazy and warm and I've got lots of friends there. And I'll say, no, no, come on, receive the new life group leaders in faith. Receive them in faith. Uh, we're giving to you them in faith. And maybe we get some new people preaching, which we're going to do. Over the next few weeks and months, we're going to have new people preaching. Uh, people from within, people from outside. And so on the 31st of March, Guy Miller, who leads all our... Church of the Commission, he's coming here. So that's in four weeks' time. And I want to encourage you to put that in your diary and come. we will need to receive him in faith, receive his gift and his teaching. And uh, in May, Steve Petch from Welcome Church in Woken, he's going to come, and we need to receive him. And, and throughout, we're going to do a series called Inspired, and we're going to have different people from our church speaking on that series. And I want to encourage you to receive them in faith. And, you know, when we've got, like, ministries starting, receive the leaders in faith. Receive... Um, like people leading meetings in faith. And uh, let's make sure that they are are encouraged and built up and, and go away in peace. And, um, you know, it's, it's possible sometimes, isn't it, to uh, wait, sorry. uh, Yeah, no, don't worry about that. Um, So we need to receive people. We need to see to it that they have nothing to fear that they, we're not treating them with contempt, but that we're encouraging them and receiving them peace. So make sure you see the big picture with our other Christian leaders. Okay, what about see the big picture with your ministry? So number six, um, verse 12, Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urge him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. So remember, this church had factions, and it had arguments, and right at the very beginning, some said, I follow Apollos, and I follow Paul, and I follow Peter, and the really spiritual one said, well, I follow God, because I'm super spiritual, and there was all these factions and divisions, and um, right here, we get to the point where Paul is writing to them and saying, hey, do you know what, I wasn't saying that you shouldn't have these factions because I'm insecure about my ministry. No, this is God's ministry, this is God's church. In fact, I want Apollos to come and bless you because I trust him and I know that he'll do you good. Uh, I know he's not ready to come right now, but he will come when the right time comes. Paul wasn't insecure with his ministry and he was happy, He, he guarded it, but he was happy to trust others to come in and share with it and I wonder what about you and the things you do? What if you're asked to step down away from your ministry? How will you receive that? Because is it your ministry or is it God's ministry? Or what about if someone else gets the prominence in something? How will you handle that? What if someone else gets to preach before perhaps you do? How are you going to take that? Paul says, hey, I know that this is God's church and I love Apollos to come and I would love him to bless you and I know that it's not my church, it's God's church and that's the same for this one too. This is God's church and every ministry is his. And we need to be like that with the things that we are in because we all carry the baton for a season. And I do too. I won't be the church leader here at Center Point forever. I carry it for a season, but this is God's church. And God was here building his church long before I came, and he will continue to build his church long after I go, and that's the same for your ministry too. And I love when I meet up with people like Hannah, who leads our women's ministry, and when she describes it, she says, hey, this is the women's ministry of Point Church. It's not that it's all mine. Same when I meet up with John, who leads the men's ministry, or Chay and Joel, who lead the youth ministry, or Sam, who leads the students and 20s ministry. You know, it's not theirs, it's not my thing, come to my thing. No, it's God's thing. And we want to encourage each other to, to be a part of what God is doing amongst us. And so um, all of these, these ministries are God's. And, and point five is like receive leaders in those ministries well. And point six is and, then, and bless them and be with them and uh, see the big picture that this is all God's. Uh, it's, not, it's not just the individuals. Okay, well, number seven. Have you seen the big picture of your walk with God? And uh, so it says this, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. So there's five things that he pulls out there. Your faith is not just for a Sunday, but it's for the whole 24/7s, the whole week. And so hopefully through this letter, you've seen these kind of things come through again and and again, but it says, be on your guard. So guard your eyes, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your thoughts, wear the full arm of God, be ready in season and out of season. Stand firm. That means don't be a wibbly-wobbly Christian who blows over with every kind of trial or struggle or rejection or opposition. No, come on. Let's stand firm. Be courageous. That means take courage. That means be strong because God is with you. He's not going to reject you or leave you. He's with you and uh, we can trust him. Uh, Be strong. That means not being weak. You know, there's enough weak Christians out there. We're called to be strong in our faith because we've got a hope that we're assured of that's coming. Do everything in love. Let that be our motivation for all. Ask yourself, is this the best loving way I can do this thing? So, this faith is for all of our life, and we need to see the big picture that our walk with God isn't just for a Sunday morning, but it's Monday through to the week as well. Have you seen the big picture with salvation? Uh, that's number eight. No, uh, so verse 15 it says, you know that the household of Stephanus were, were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. You know Paul's going into a place, and when generally when he does, he has the privilege of seeing the first salvations, and that's amazing. It's remarkable. And here we have the situation where Stephanus has got saved. He's then grown in his character and gifting, and now he's a leader within the church. And he is saying to them, "Hey, guys, I know I know you've been there for a long time, and Stephanus is fairly new, and he's you know he's grown up. But I want to encourage you to submit to him." and to submit to what he's doing in the work of the Lord. And so I wonder, how are you seeing and receiving people that come into the church, get saved and added, grow in their character and gifting, and then become leaders? Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to these people. Because it's it's really easy to kind of look at people for how they come into the church, and then they grow in character, but you're still viewing them as what they were when they first came into the church. When I got saved... I look like this. Yeah. I was surprised anyone talked to me, but they did. And uh, in fact, this is my photo and my passport picture for quite a while. So I always got s- stopped at places. And um, yeah, I know, it's bad, isn't it? But um, like when, yeah, when someone first invited me along to like a Life Explore type course and I went along, this is, this is what, this was me. And I was the last person that people thought was uh, going to become a Christian, but I got invited anyway. And then I started going along to church and my dress didn't change for several years. And I still had all the baggage that life comes with when you're not a Christian. And even when you are a Christian. And God was working me and doing all sorts of different things through me. And then I grew in my leadership and in my character and my gifting. And sometimes when I was leading stuff in church, people would think of me like this and not necessarily what God had grown me into, and it's easy for us to do that. So how are we seeing and receiving people that come into the church, that get saved and added, and growing their character and leadership and gifting? We're called to submit to them. And so I wonder, have you seen uh, the big picture with salvation as a whole because... um, you know, it would be easy to, I wonder, how are you receiving, sorry, other leaders that I've already kind of, I, I've done this. You know, like Johnny and Phil, they came to this church as students. Are you still seeing them as students or are you seeing them as your spiritual leaders? You know, they've been part of the eldership team for several years now. And they, they're growing and their gifting is excellent and they're just brilliant, brilliant leaders. The three of us work so well together. And yes, of course we're gonna to continue to grow our team, but we are we are growing as well. And I encourage you to continue to 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 serve us well, encourage us. And do you know what? What I love is that we're gonna to continue to see leaders grow and it's great to have so many different leaders in our church leading all sorts of different things and i'll encourage you hey keep, see them, keep seeing them as your spiritual leaders see see them through god's eyes you know for everyone all of all the different people and yes of course they make mistakes and i make mistakes all the time i offend people every day i'm sure i do and i've probably offended you already today and you know I, i'll apologize where it's unduly given and i'll encourage you and prompt you and comfort you like i won't go into that in the way that God is, is, it wants to encourage you and comfort you. The other thing about salvation is that the church is growing. And what I mean by that is around the world, roughly one in three people are born again Christians. The church has grown now more than it ever has in the past. On an average day, roughly 20 to 30,000 people around the world will become a Christian if today's an average day. And the news shows kind of old church buildings shutting down, but it doesn't show the many churches around the world that are exploding and churches that are growing in warehouses, homes and cinemas. And do you know what, God is at work and it's easy to get down about salvation. It's easy to get down about and lose heart with our colleagues and our neighbours and our friends and think, oh, they're never going to become a Christian. You know what, people thought that of me. I was never going to become a Christian, but I did, because someone invited me along to church, someone invited me along to, to find out about him, and I don't want you to lose heart about what God is doing, because you know what, Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against them, and so on June 1st, there's another one for your diary, on June 1st, we're going to be doing a big outreach event in town, and um, it's going to be 11 till 2, it's a Saturday, And I encourage the whole church to be ready. We're going to get out into the community. We're going to bless them and show them love. Because everyone thinks that church is boring. It's irrelevant. It's for old people. And uh, we're going to combat that. And so we're going to make it fun. And we're going to show all the ages of our church. And we're going to make sure that um, it is relevant, actually. And we're going to make sure that we have lots of good stuff. Bounty castles, ice creams, maybe face painting, balloons. We're going to do lots. Everything will be free, and we're going to invite the whole community to come, and we're just going to bless them. There's no ulterior motive. We're just going to bless them, show them we care about them, and let them know that there's a church at the cinema that they could come to and be a part of. And so... Uh, We're at the very early stages of doing that, and if you would like to be part of uh, a team together with me that are going to plan that and make it all happen, I'd love you to come and chat to me. Send me an email, come and grab me afterwards. I'd love you to be part of that team as we plan and get that together and and make sure that all the right things are in place to make sure that that happens well. Number nine... Have you seen the big picture with encouragement? Verse 17 to 20. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you for they refresh my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord and so does the church that meets in their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, these guys, they refreshed Paul. They encouraged them when Corinth couldn't. And Paul needed encouragement and he gave people recognition for it. Such men deserve recognition. And so have you seen the big picture of how your words and how your actions speak to other people? Because do your words build up or do they tear down? Do your words encourage, strengthen, or do they undermine and weaken? Are you cynical and downhearted or are you faith-filled and upbeat? Ask God for the gift of encouragement. Think about how you're encouraging others and encouraging them in their walk, in their faith and in their ministry. Don't just look down on what... Don't just look, sorry, at all the things that aren't quite working right now, but look to all the things that are actually going well and praise God for them and rejoice in them. So parents, how are you encouraging your children? Colleagues, how are you encouraging your colleagues? Spouses, how are you encouraging your partners? Singles, how are you encouraging the marrieds? And marriage, how are you encouraging the singles? And church, how are you encouraging your leaders? And each other. You know, one thing that's really encouraging for all the ministry leaders and for all the leaders in the church is attendance. You can encourage people by attending their life group, by attending the, the ministry that they run. That really encourages. It really does. And when you're there, be be ready to share, be ready to contribute, get stuck in. Worship night, this, this, Sunday, this Wednesday evening, come along and be ready to pray and to, to get stuck in and involved. It's encouraging, not just to the leaders, but to everyone across the church as we gather together like we have been doing this morning. Lastly, have you seen the big picture with the return of Jesus? It says this, I, Paul... Write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, O Lord. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, that, that come, O Lord, in the Greek is like a longing for Jesus to come. The end at uh, the end of that that bit, actually, it might be a bit of a hymn that he's quoting there and he's singing, yes, Lord Jesus, just come, fill this place with your grace. And that's what he talks about. It's all about this grace of Jesus to be with us. You know, it's not our good works that are going to hold us to the end, but it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to hold us. And Phil preached excellently last week on the hope that we have in Jesus in his life, his death and his resurrection. So do get the download. And so I'm not going to say much about it today. Other than over these 16 weeks, as we've preached through this book, we've found that we are called to build wisely on the foundation stone of Jesus. Everything is about him. So keep in mind that he will return again, that everyone will see him in his glory, that we will be seated with him and and, uh, live in the light of that and know that the present trials, troubles, struggles in this life are like a dot on the eternal scale of what Jesus has for you in your life. Have you seen the big picture? Come on, let's get the band back up. And uh, as we've been going through this morning, I hope that you've seen the big picture, uh, that church isn't just about you and about what you need, but church is, a, is about the great commandment, loving the Lord God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul. And it's about the great commission. It's about seeing other people come to know him, engaging with them, loving them too. And all of this is mixed together and seeing that Jesus will return one day. And you know, um, Ben, you can start to play. I'm just going to finish up by just reminding you of this series. Because over these 16 weeks, we've been called as a church to build Centerpoint as a church that God intends. You know, church as God intends is one where there are no divisions. And people from every background, class and status are welcomed in unity. Church as God intends is one where the Holy Spirit is welcome in our meetings. And where we submit to what he is doing amongst us. Church as God intends is where every Christian builds their life wisely, not with haywood and straw, things that perish, but with things that last like gold. So that at the end they hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. They aren't ones who are going into heaven like escaping the flames from a burning, burning building, but they're ones that are striding through because they've been trusting God and obeying him. Church as God intends is a church with godly humility, who put others first and don't have a false sense of pride. Church as God intends is a church that is well disciplined and know how to show respect and honour to one another. Church as God intends is a church that lead holy lifestyles that are pleasing to God. Church as God intends is a church where there are healthy marriages, where widows and those who are divorced or single are cared for and looked after and encouraged to be part of the body. Church as God intends is a church where we show loving actions, where we build each other up. Church as God intends is a church which runs the race well, which um, makes sure that knowing that this Christian life is not a, a sprint, but it's a marathon, that everything we do is for God's glory and honour and praise. Church has God intends as a church that's in unity with one another, who love God and love each other, who know what communion is and how it represents their common unity with God and they share it together regularly. Church as God intends is a church that displays the variety of spiritual gifts knowing that they are all given by God, by His Spirit. Church as God intends is one body, each has their different part each is equal though, in value before God, no one looks down on the other. Church as God Intends is one that shows true love. They receive this love from God, and out of that they pour it out from their hearts into others in the community and everyone they meet. Church as God Intends is a church that operates in the gifts of tongues and prophecy and all the others too, and they come together to worship God and love to see him glorified. Church as God Intends is one where they know that there's a hope in the resurrection and power in Jesus, that he lived, he died, and he rose again. And church as God intended is the church that see the big picture. They know they're a part of God's grand plan for his salvation purposes in this world. That they are not on their own, but they're linked with an apostolic family, ready to receive and give generously all that he has called us to in order to see the work of God flourish and thrive in our city and throughout this world. Are you committed to seeing God build his church in this city? If you are, I'd love you to stand together just a sign of our unity and um, whether that's with this church or whether it's another church it doesn't matter but I want to encourage us all to be committed to a local body of believers we're going to stand we're going to sing i to encourage you to sing your heart out to worship God in a little while we'll take communion but for now I just want us to focus on Jesus worship him because he's our King of Kings and Lord of Lords Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.